Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, I have with me today career coach and resiliency expert, David Lee. Um, He has been involved in the resilience field for over 30 years and is a three-time career changer himself. Um, Today, he's the founder of Soul Satisfying Work. His diverse background includes work in the addiction field as a counselor, and he's passionate about physical fitness, healthy nutrition, and the application of wisdom traditions and mindfulness practices in today's complex world. Um, He's presented at conferences and meetings throughout North America and Australia. He's the author of 100 plus articles and book chapters on um, performance. And uh, he's actually my first repeat uh, guest. So um, because last time we spoke, we talked about resiliency during COVID. And with all of the layoffs going on, I couldn't think of anyone better to come in and, you know, discuss the importance of resiliency as it relates to rebounding from a layoff. Um, So David, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me and having me again. I appreciate it. Um, So what is it about a layoff that makes it a uniquely challenging event compared to maybe other stressors that we face? Yeah. You think about how much of our identity is connected with with our work and our profession. And so I think that's one of the um one of the first challenges of, of dealing with a layoff is I am not that, whatever that is. And and uh doing the work to let go of that identity. I think another point, again, it, it relates to identity, is how how not to make it mean more than it is in terms of uh, seeing it as a business decision as opposed to a statement about our worth. Yeah. And if, and and especially if it's in an organization where communication isn't that great, oftentimes it, layoffs come out of the blue. And so just the shock to the nervous system of something totally unexpected, you know, can really you know, rock a person's world in sense of the sense of like, I really don't have a whole lot of control or nearly as much control as I thought I did. So I think those are some of the, the uh, most fundamental reasons. Yeah. They, and to your point about, you know, people take it, take it personally. Um, And I don't know if, you know, 80 years ago, layoffs did happen because of performance, but ever since I've been employed, when there's a performance issue, you get on a performance plan before you get laid off, um, where these these massive layoffs often, more often than not, have very little to do with performance. They are strictly business decisions. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, Virginia, it also makes me think about in terms of um, the sense of betrayal And I think, yes, I think sometimes people um, misunderstand or or misrepresent in their mind what that employer employee social contract is and and thinking of it 
whether as like one big semi-happy family mm-hmm. or friends, et cetera. And and so when when they get laid off, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Like I was doing Yeah, great we were work. family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I cared about that. You. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's and I mean, you and I both live on LinkedIn and it's it's you know, people are devastated and angry and they're going through all those emotions. Um so I'm just so happy that you are here to talk about how people can can grow resilient um to because many times people face layoffs more than once it's uh you know it's just part of being in corporate america um but you know you sent me several items that you you know we wanted to talk about and you know i sort of saw them falling into three different categories so i wanted to sort of lay out the categories and then you know talk about each one um so the first one was you know the importance of not going at this alone um the second one are shifts that we can make to our mindset and then the third one is how to harness the mind-body connection to strengthen our resiliency um so i guess let's just start with the top let's talk about not going it alone and why that's so important you got it. And actually, one thing I do want to say uh, to loop back to your mentioning the first podcast interview that we did, I really encourage people to listen to that because really everything I talked about in that is relevant now. So, um, you know what? I'll put a link to the first podcast in the show notes. Oh, fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So, so the not going it alone that anybody who's been laid off or has been fired knows about that feeling of like, I'm the only one that this has happened to that kind of feeling of shame. Like there's a scarlet letter on my forehead. Yeah. And it's like, even though we know intellectually, like that's not true, that's not how it feels. And so I think number one is to counteract that desire to kind of crawl into you know our little cave or hole and yeah. nurse our wounds so that's number one and actually related to that um those listeners who maybe brene brown fans and and know her work on shame uh this might um sound familiar that one of the things that we know about shame is that it thrives in silence and I didn't so, that. yeah. And so, um, it dissipates, it dissolves in the light of day. And so the more we're like a sign- vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <you go>. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. And so the more we're willing to share with, you know, people that we can trust about, you know, what happened, our fears, our anger, et cetera the more it dissolves that feeling of shame and like there's something wrong with me and nobody else has gone through this. So uh, recognizing that really the only or, or the strongest way of healing shame, and, and in this case, like undeserved shame, is through connection with other people and sharing. Another reason for not going it alone, if I can get a little uh, neurobiological. Yeah. 
um, around that. So one of uh, my earlier careers was in the mind-body medicine field, was also in the trauma field. And so, um, you know, understanding how major uh, shocks to the nervous system affect people and, and what are the practices that heal that and understanding a bit about how the brain works, et cetera, is really helpful in terms of of practical uh, techniques. And so one of the things that we know about the human nervous system, and this comes from the amazing work of Dr. Stephen Porges, who created the polyvagal theory. And uh, basically the takeaway is that the human nervous system is fundamentally designed to operate best in co-regulation versus self-regulation. And so self-regulation is like, I feel really bad about being laid off. I feel embarrassed. I feel scared, et cetera. I'm going to just like talk myself out of it or pull myself up, up by my boot bootstraps. Right. You know, that, whereas co-regulation, <laughs> it goes back to sharing with others, getting support from others. And uh, one of the bits of evidence that Dr. Porges uses for this, this premise that we're hardwired for co-regulation, anybody who's a parent, especially if you still have little kids, you see that humans are hardwired for co-regulation. When your kids are little, they can't calm down. They can't regulate self-regulate. No, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about when um how many kids do you have? I know you have at least one. I have four, but they're past that little that yeah, little they're, they're grown up kids. Temper tantrums, yeah. Ah, but you think about let's say when they're like babies or let's say even toddlers, let's say a baby and one of your little ones starts crying, you don't say like you know, come figure on, it out. suck it up. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Grow up or whatever. You rock and and do the cooing noises and and do all that sort of stuff. Well, what you're doing is you're helping that baby's nervous system calm down because the baby can't regulate itself. And even though as we get older, we develop abilities to self-regulate, again, it's much more effective to co-regulate. So at a real like basic neurobiological level, not going it alone, but sharing that burden is so important. So just talking with others, working with others, you know, maybe joining a job group that is effectively co-regulating our human nervous system. Uh, that's, that's very much uh, breaking the the silence of shame and normalizing what's going on. When I, in terms of, co in, you know, that being said, those can help co-regulate. I mean, more directly one-on-one. -on -one, okay. Where like if to like help somebody talk you uh, off of the ledge, you know, if you will, um, you know, sharing whatever you're feeling or whatever, perspective you have and that other person offering support as well as offering a more rational perhaps perspective because they're not in the midst of the drama. Yeah. 
more like a neutral, a neutral third party. Exactly. Caring neutral party. <laughs> exactly. And one of the other things that I think oftentimes people don't think about when they're like, oh, I don't want to burden other people. Like, you know, I got to do this, you know, be strong and do it on my own is you're really giving other people a gift when you ask them for support. Because, you know, as you know, especially in the work that you do, Virginia, that you're helping people, it feels good to help people. Yeah. So and what does that help do to our central nervous system if we're the helpy or helper? Exactly. Exact. Perfect. You got it. So those are three, three simple but powerful reasons for not going it alone. Yeah. Um, the, and it seems to me you under, by talking with speaking with other people and, and getting that support, you are, you're making yourself, in addition to being resilient, you're making yourself able to be able to speak to the layoff where you can go into an interview confidently and say, I was laid off as part of a large organizational reduction, you know, making it clear as nothing to do with me and my personal performance. Um, yes. You have that confidence going into that. Okay. Actually, um, you know, actually, though, Virginia, before we move on, since you mentioned that, which is a really important point, I do want to throw out something that's, even though it's one of my points that isn't under seek support, it's such a powerful point or practice that relates to the point you just made. And that is the power of journaling. And maybe if, if, if you wouldn't mind putting a link to that study that I sent you, Dr. Jamie, ben, Jamie Pennebaker's work on journaling, where, uh, so, uh, Jamie Pennebaker is really big in the mind body medicine field for his work on the healing power of journaling. And one of the studies that he, um, was part of that speaks to what you were talking about in terms of processing the layoff helps you get into an emotional state and a perspective state to be able to talk about it calmly and confidently yeah. in a job interview. So he, so here's the uh, study. So they took, it was 60 some employees from a tech company that got laid off and they divided them into three groups. One group wrote for five consecutive days for 20 minutes. They journaled about their deepest thoughts and feelings about being laid off and the job search. The second group wrote the same, you know, five consecutive days, 20 minutes a day, but they just wrote about the facts, you know, today, like mm. this is what happened today. This is what happened, et cetera. And then there was a third control group. And what they found was, I'll, I'll just read the takeaway. Three months later, there was no significant difference between the non-writers and the facts-only writers in finding employment. The experimental group, so the, the ones who wrote about deep thoughts and feelings, mm -hmm. the experimental group, however, was more successful in finding full-time employment. And the thing wow. that was, yeah, and check this out. This was, as a former therapist, this surprised me. And, and I think it really bears stating uh, for people about why journaling is powerful and, and how it relates to them presenting well in the job interview is what 
what Dr. Pennebaker's work found in, and he did all kinds of versions of experiments on journaling was it, the people who made the biggest shifts and were able to let go of the trauma and move on. It wasn't the cathartic effect of the writing, which as a former, when I was a therapist is when I learned about this, that's what I thought it was. It was the writing about it and reviewing it and actually updating the writing by externalizing it. It helped them change the way they saw what happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's fascinating. Isn't it? So, uh, you, so you think about for somebody who got laid off or got fired, by doing the journaling, it can shift you from like, I'm a big loser, this was a horrible thing, um, and 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 maybe the feeling of anger and bitterness to, um, you know, it is what it is, is a business decision, and it's also... Um, giving me the chance to find something better. Right. More, See the positive know. from it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, that's fascinating. Um, well, that is a perfect segue into discussing mindset shifts. So why do you see that as so critical to this, the resiliency and layoff or resiliency post layoff? Yeah. So I would say of all the practices, principles and practices I've studied and implemented in 30 plus years now in resilience, getting good at challenging a negative mindset, negative self-talk, counterproductive beliefs, counterproductive stories we tell ourselves, and and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Getting good at that is among the most practical and powerful practices. And so uh, I, I'm just, I'll go through these and just feel free to jump in if if yeah. you want to riff on something or or you know ask a follow-up. So number one, and this is you know anybody who either is in a 12 step program or knows somebody um has or seen uh mm-hmm. you know bumper stickers this too shall pass is repeating that mantra. Another um, related uh, saying that I like to use is keep in mind, this is just a chapter. It's not the whole story. It's a blip. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, think about, about movies you've, you've watched or, or novels you've read where the protagonist is having all these horrible things happen and like that's just part of the movie. That's part of the story. It's it's not the ending. No, that's a really good point. So, do you recommend people literally chant mantras in their head? Uh, this is a this is a blip. This you shall pass. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, because they're so short and pithy and undeniable. Um, I also another one. Um, that I like to remind myself of is that everything, everything can change in an instant. And uh, there's a, there's a fun story related to hypnosis behind it, but I I won't go, I won't go into it. Um, But it's, um, that's another useful one. I'll just give you a, yeah. So how does saying everything will happen in an instant help with mindset? 
Well, no, everything can change in an instant. Actually, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me, I'll I'll tell you, I'll give you a brief version of the story. So when my daughter was little and just started to learn to walk, she, uh, one of the first things she did was grab a key out of this glass um, bookshelf of mine, glassed in bookshelf that I had a lot of my uh, professional books, um, including those that I oftentimes refresh. And uh, my wife at the time and I couldn't find the key. And as, as the months went on, it's like those books were taunting me and I'm like, and a conference is coming up and I need to review some things and I can't get to them. And I'm feeling more and more frustrated. I'm not, I'm I'm being too cheap to, to hire a locksmith. Like we've got to find Mm -hmm. this. I ended up, um, so when I learned hypnosis, my wife at the time, um, asked me to hypnotize her so she wouldn't feel pain. When she sent, went to the dentist, um, that worked well. We also use hypnosis for her to find some files she misfiled. So I figured, let's see if it'll help. Yeah. Let's see if it'll help with the key, even though she didn't lose it. Well, sure enough, um, in a hypnotic trance, she looks in a place we hadn't thought of, finds the key. And then as I open up the filing, I'm sorry, the bookcase, I'm thinking, isn't this like life? Like, Month after month, I felt so frustrated. This thing that I wanted wasn't available to me. And I'm, you know, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then in an instant, all that hassle, all that angst is gone. I have the key. I open it up. I have access to what I want. And it's like, how many things in life that we're full of angst about, and it's like, will this ever end? And then suddenly it does like a, a traffic jam, you know, That's, it feels like yeah. forever and then it's over and it's like, okay, let's move on. So what are, oh, go ahead. Period. I'll leave okay. It. okay. So you have given sort of three really powerful phrases to help you to repeat, to help you get your mind in the right place. This too shall pass. Everything can change at an instant. The other one I remember you saying is, if I can handle this, that I can handle this. Um, yeah. Is that, what is that? I feel like someone told me that's called a reminder bridge. Um, I haven't heard that. Um, I think of in the, if I can handle that, I can handle this experiences. They're also, I, I've found great, it's a great coaching others who feel disempowered uh, tool. And so to think about really hard times that you've had in the past and remind yourself like, hey, if I could handle that, I can handle this. Yeah. So that. And, and that's a and, way of, of helping you to get perspective on what you're facing currently, right? Exactly. And you think about it because it's coming from your experience it's not somebody else like me saying it or a slogan or a mantra, even though they're helpful. Sometimes if somebody's in a really negative state, they're like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, right. like easier said than done. It's like, okay, fine. Don't have to use that. Think about your own experiences. You have proof in your own life that you've handled really tough stuff and you've had situations that happened that at the time seemed like there were disasters 
a disaster. And now you see that they were a real gift. You've got proof in your own life. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. Um, okay. I want to dive into the mind body connection because I feel like there's that's so not understood. Um, and I don't know that that many people have talked about it with regards to dealing with the trauma of losing your job. Um, so give me, I guess, tell me your top three techniques or let's, you know, in the interest of time, because I'm sure you've got many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to quickly put this in context. So back when I was actively involved in the mind body medicine field, one of the things that really hit me was when people would talk about the mind body connection so often they talked about how the mind affects the body. So, you know, our self-talk, you know, what I, what I, uh, referenced before or the stories we tell ourselves about uh, a situation. So, um, if, if I'm laid off, if I tell myself the story, that means I'm defective or I'm a loser or I'll never find a decent job again. If I tell myself those stories, it'll have a profound effect on my emotional slash physiological state, which then affects how I think and how I show up in interactions. So, so typically when people think about the mind body connection, it's like, Oh, how do my thoughts affect my body? What people don't pay nearly enough attention to is how what's going on in the body affects the mind. And so that's a, a super powerful. It's a flip on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super powerful lever, if you will, to shift how we see our situation and how we act. So let me, let me give you a quick, um, example of that that I think everybody can relate to. And, and when I'm like doing classes on resilience, I always use this example because it's okay. so classic. I was, um, I was uh, slogging through an airport. Uh, this has happened many times, but this was when it first hit me many years ago. And it was at the end of a long business trip. I was really tired, uh, you know, just worn out. And I'm thinking of all the things that I have to do, you know, my to-do list, and I'm just trudging along. And then uh, what to my wondering eyes did appear, mm -hmm. but a Starbucks uh, off to the side. So uh, I tootle on over there. And this is back in the day when I would drink the uh, venti ice drinks that have four shots of espresso in them. Oh my gosh. Oh I my know. gosh. So you would be shaking. <laughs> I would be shaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, today, I would definitely uh, be that way. <laughs> so I down it. And within like, I don't know, a minute or two, I go from like, oh, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. And everything's so overwhelming to like, think about how you are when you're like jacked up on caffeine. Yeah. It's like, oh, my to-do list. Man, I'll just, <laughs> no problem. I'll just bang it out. Oh, this issue, not a problem. I'll figure it out. And, and like everything, like I've got it. I've got it handled. No biggie. And later I was thinking about like, isn't this interesting? What? 
what changed here? Now, obviously, all the things that I had to do hadn't changed. And obviously, the problems I needed to solve hadn't changed. That's obvious. The interesting part was I didn't engage in positive self-talk, which is, which is a tremendously po- powerful technique. So I'm not mm-hmm. diminishing that. It, it needs to be in everybody's toolkit. All I did was change my physiology and my perception of the world radically changed. Wow. Yeah. So this it, is a uh this is an advertisement for Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I I'll um I try to remember to say now the takeaway isn't get jacked yeah. up that feet. <laughs> it's get good at both capturing positive. And I I say physiological slash emotional states because you don't have one without the other. There, Any emotional state has its signature physiology, and every physiology is connected with some kind of emotion. So that's why I combine them two. Okay. So, So number one, recognize positive emotional states and capture and deploy them. I'll give you two quick examples. A couple of days ago, when I was, when I was going over like, okay, like what are the points that I want to talk about in the interview with Virginia? And and I can really obsess about like, what's going to be the most useful and all that. So that's kind of where I was at. Well, I was Mm -hmm. doing a a hit workout. So high intensity interval training work. Yeah. Okay. I was doing that, which definitely changes my physiology and watching. um, I think it was like people are, yeah, a people are awesome video on YouTube as I'm, (laughs) as I'm doing my, so I'm doing like a double whammy. And I'm just like feeling pumped. And I'm like, man, you're in the zone. Run to the uh, computer and start jotting down these ideas. So I captured that state and did something with it. Number one. Oh, okay. Actually, do you want to say anything about that? No, no, that's, I'm just thinking this is great. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And, And actually, I will give you, I will give you another example of that. And then I'll give you an example of intentionally shifting state. So another example of just noticing when you're pumped up. I was uh, working with a coaching client and there was a bunch of things that he knew he needed to do, but he wasn't um, like he, he wasn't feeling it. He, he for weeks, he hadn't been doing these things that he needed to do. So what I suggested to him was make, you know, make a list of what those things are, you know, you need to do, but agree that you don't have to execute on any of those. You're just making the list. You're not holding yourself accountable to do anything. Just make the list. And then the next time you feel like really energized, you're a happy camper, just look at your list. Tackle your list, yeah. Yeah. So That's so fascinating because so, I'm ADD and I find that exercise helps to clear my brain. So I will sometimes say things are a little harder for me to do for immediately after I've worked out because it, my brain is clear and I can focus in a way that I can't later on during you know, during the day. Amen. I have ADD too. And totally exercise really is a must for me too to focus. (laughs) Man, I hear you on that. Also brown noise. My, the brown noise app has worked wonders 
I don't know if you've tried that. Oh no. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Brown noise, not blue noise, not white noise. Or some, it's written up in the New York times. So it's, it's really been, that's been a lifesaver for me as well. Um, oh, cool. Okay. So, yeah. so, okay. A recognized positive emotional state, capture it and deploy it. I love that. you got it. What else? So that's number one. Number two is develop your ability to intentionally shift your physiological slash emotional state so you can deploy it on, you know, uh, as needed on request. And so intentionally shift your physical and your mental state or just the physical? um, Shifting in this case, we're um, focusing on shifting the body to change the mind. So it's shifting your emotional slash um, physiological state. Okay. You got it. And so how do you do that? Okay. So, um, so number one is uh, what we just talked about is exercise. That's um, and actually <laughs> before coming on to um, our interview, I did uh, I did some jumping up and down on one of those rebounders. Mm, <laughs> okay, you know, and actually, and actually, let me. Um, I'll say a few things related. We'll get really practical. One of the things, and I, I did a LinkedIn post on this and a meme. Uh, um, on this back um, in the earlier part of the pandemic when everybody was doing Zoom interviews mm-hmm. about what to do so you bring your most energized and um, engaging self on a Zoom call. And I had this list, and these are all practices for shifting your emotional slash physiological state. So it could be do some exercise and it could just be like, do a bunch of jumping jacks. Do, so do just, quick... It doesn't have to be an hour workout. It could be exactly. 30 seconds exactly. of jumping jacks, right? Exactly. Exactly. Back-to-back boot camps. And then like, okay, now, now I'm yeah. um, like a quick walk around the block. Um, we talked about before we, um, started recording uh the wonders of cold showers right uh, yeah jumping in the ocean <laughs> um that'll get the, you know get your heart pumping um doing some um rapid deep breathing not shallow breathing but deep rapid deep breathing is one of the fastest ways of shifting your physiology um t- talking in, in, in talking with a friend that is really fun before you go on the interview so you're not low key and, and so kind something of, how about like injecting humor like i don't know reading something funny or absolutely okay absolutely you got it and that uh, thank you for saying that because that's one of my one of the lists is watching funny or inspiring videos you got it so let me so an, head an, over to tiktok Possibly. (laughs) Again, go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So I'll give you an example this morning of intentionally shifting my state. So um, as I I, I emailed you, or actually through LinkedIn last night, um, I've been having trouble with with my email, with Outlook. Mm -hmm. And it uh, the, the joyousness of it continued this morning and some other tech problems. And I'm like, I was uh, hoping to do a little more preparation for Virginia's interview. And I also had a 10 o'clock interview that I was interviewing somebody else about their career journey. And 
I, because my first thought was, I need to postpone my 10 o'clock because I don't want to be frantically fighting with my, my computer and, and getting into an annoyed state, you know, before, (laughs) and you know, and I also want to spend my time preparing, but here's where I changed my plan. My interview was with a lady named Ashley Sharetti's, who is one of the most engaging, fun people to talk with. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, let's keep that interview because I know I'll be so pumped Okay, <laughs> you know, from our conversation. I'll be able to be my best self in my interview with with Virginia. And sure enough, we had an amazing interview. Oh, She's just, that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. So we've got recognize positive emotional state to capture and deploy it, develop an ability to intentionally shift your physiological state to, to change your mental state. What else? Yeah. Uh, let me look at my, okay. Yeah. Here's another one that I don't think gets talked about enough and it's how to shift your identity one of the one of the reoccurring themes in the world of psychology and in the world of peak performance is the central role identity plays and what we're willing to try and how we show up in the world and I'm just going to make a note. My ADD just kicked in and there's something uh-huh. I, want to, I want to go back to. Um, actually, let me just, I, I want to go back to something about changing state because okay. um, it so relates to people being laid off. And then I'll, I'll talk about identity. Okay. So um, back to my story about uh, chugging down the four shots of espresso at Starbucks. <laughs> One of the messages that I've heard over and over from people in the personal development field that I have such huge respect for is the role that state plays in our ability to see opportunity. And um, there's a gentleman named David Nagel who just has some great stuff on this. And he talks about, um, I don't know, Virginia, do you remember Napoleon Hill? Mm-mm. Okay. He, um, he wrote a book, um, early part of the last century called Think and Grow Rich. Um, that's like one of the all time bestsellers in the business mm-hmm. world because he interviewed people who at the time were like the most accomplished people, like Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, et cetera. And so David Nagel was talking about, and and so like, what were the practices and what were their mindset? And one of the things that David Nagel said that I loved was the, one of the universal practices that Napoleon Hill found that these people engaged in, or mindsets, I'll say mindsets Mm -hmm. that made them different from other people is they recognize their greatest opportunities always came disguised as big problems. 
And so when they faced a problem, like getting laid off, getting fired, um, instead of focusing on the crisis and the problem, they had tuned their brains to be on the lookout for the opportunity, whereas the typical person understandably gets fixated on the problem. And so... So it's they look at it as an opportunity to solve a problem versus... So an opportunity to solve a problem or looking at it as... So that's a major one. In this time of chaos, what is an opportunity that maybe wasn't there before? Yeah. Or it could be like, how can I make the best out of it? Now, back to our body affects our mind. If we're caught up in fear or like fear and loathing, caught up in fear and shame, we literally, our brains cannot see opportunities because all they see is the catastrophe, the problem. And so that's another, so two things. That's another reason why, number one, shifting our physiology, our emotional states, like watch an inspiring video, um, listen to okay, somebody. So it sort inspired. of removes our blinders. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So number one, and that's also why the the if I can handle that, I can handle this. Those experiences also give us proof that in times of crises and seeming catastrophe, doors have opened and yeah. gifts have been, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, that whole door window thing, whatever. When Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I tell you, even like when I, when I go through hard times, even as I'm honest with myself, like, you know what, this sucks, you know, I just for the record, I'm not happy yeah. about this. I'm also knowing and looking for the opportunity because I've been working with this principle for so long. Okay. 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 Um, so, I'm sorry. So let's just only because I'm looking, trying to be mindful of time. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk really briefly about the shift in identity and what that looks okay. like. Yes. Okay. So um, identity, huge, huge. Um, influence on how we show up in networking and in interviews, whether we reach out to people or not, um, and and whether we're willing to, apply, let's say, apply for a job that's maybe a bit of a stretch. Right. Okay. So um, two practical techniques, three practical techniques for shifting identity. One is, this is so cool because um, I'm working on a handout. And by the time the podcast is out, it'll be ready. And, Ooh, and cool. I'll give okay. you a link. Yeah. On uh, like a million more how to's. And one that I put was make a list of the results you, you know, classic ones that you know about the results you've delivered, the accomplishments you've um, achieved and the value you've provided. Not only, as I know you know better than most, does that provide useful material for your resume, it also reminds you, like, man, I've done good stuff. Like, hold on. People here. tell me that all the time. They yes. the luxury of speaking with someone about the full career story gives them a picture of, whoa, I've done a lot. I hadn't thought about it because I've been fixated on what's happened in the last three months. You got it. 
You okay. got it. So that's so make that list reflect back. What, what did things look like when I got there? What do things look like now? What was my role in, in getting it to that after state? What am I proud of? All those things. You got it. Okay. And also to your point, Virginia, I recommend to people to do it interactively, whether it's, you know, with somebody like us as a coach or a really wise friend, because there's this great quote by David White, the poet, who said, poetry is the act of overhearing yourself say things you did not know you knew. And working with a good coach or a good friend and mm-hmm. that out of that conversation, you hear yourself say stuff that you probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Hum- okay. You so don't, yeah, one, it helps you uncover. Yeah. Absolutely. You got it. Okay. Make number so- one. Number two is the old best self exercise. Ask feedback from people. When have you seen me at my best and why was that me at my best? And what do you see as my biggest strengths? When, if you're in the middle of a funk and feeling like, oh, I'm a big loser again, have other people provide more unbiased um, perspectives on you. So that's number two. And then, and I recommend people, all people do that, not just people going through a hard time. And then number three, and this is, I think, a really cool kind, I think, kind of a pro tip is make it a regular practice to reach out and help other people. Because you think about it, if, if you, if you're laid off, if you're fired and you're feeling like I'm less than others, like those people who have jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just like creeping around, you know, at networking events, feeling less than, et cetera. If you're actively like reaching out to, let's say somebody else who got laid off, anything I can do to help you, anybody I can connect you with, what it does is, and, and there's all sorts of really cool research on the physiological biochemical effect of doing acts of kindness and altruism. It shifts their biochemistry in very powerful ways. And because we can't change the body without changing the mind, it helps shift our identity from like a, a, a less than kind of person to almost like I'm a philanthropist. <laughs> you know, I'm out there doing good in the world and helping other people. And I think that's the one of the most powerful practical things. I agree. I, to me, that is the most powerful way to sort of remind yourself that you are about so much more than the zeros on your paycheck and the role that you did for a company. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And no matter what your station is in life, there are people that you can help. You're right. Anyone can help anyone. There's some way that you can make it. I love that. You got it. Gosh, David, thank you so much. This is so, talk about changing my emotional state after, you know, you know reading all the headlines, you can get down, but you, this is super empowering. These are things that we can do by ourselves, things that we can do with others and things we can do for others. Um, I think people are going to walk away with a lot of, a lot of actionable advice. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. 
To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.